Well, we're in a series on prayer called Pray for a Change. Everybody say, Pray for a Change. And uh, we're at that point that we arrive at in most series where it's just impossible to go back and review. Um, I do want to start out with a verse familiar to us here. We'll look in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Would you read that with me? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Typically, though, we flip that thing and we don't pray about anything. Instead, we worry about everything. And the goal and purpose of this series is to get that flip back around right where we don't read it with me. So we don't worry about anything. Instead, we pray about everything. And then reading on, it says, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And my assignment, as I've told you each week in this series, is to get you praying. To not only have you informed about prayer and know how to pray, but to get you praying. Um, My responsibility is to help you. I can't do it for you, but to help you to be a people that are prepared, a people that are ready. Because here's the reality. Ecclesiastes talks about it as well. It's throughout scripture. It's reality for us all the time. We don't know what's going to come on the earth. People, people don't know. Do you know who's going to win the Super Bowl this next year? We don't know. Do you know who's going to, what's going to happen midterm elections? We don't know. What's the market going to do tomorrow? We don't, we don't know all these things. And we hope for good and we work for good and we pray for good. We believe for good. But you don't know what all would come on the earth. And I don't say that to, to alarm you or cause you to be afraid. I say that to inspire you that you would be prepared. And that's the thing. If you are not one who prays, if you don't pray, then you're not ready. You're not prepared. And so something take a, a sharp left turn in your life and you don't know how to pray. You're not a person of prayer. Uh, it's not going to serve you well and you're going to find yourself um, in, in kind of a double problem at, the, at that place. So my assignment is to get, get you praying. Now we're going to look at one aspect of prayer this morning. Let's look in James chapter 5 verse 13. Are you all out there? Okay, just got to make sure here. James chapter 5 verse 13. It says, is anyone among you suffering... Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Now look at that again. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone, um, anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Now that word suffering, depending on your translation of the Bible, it may say afflicted. And it actually means this. Hardship, trouble, pressure, suffering. The antonym would be blessing, good pleasure, and delight. So the opposite of what this is talking about is blessing, good pleasure, delight. It's called suffering. It's called affliction. The opposite of the, of the good stuff. Uh, Job, in Job 6.14, he said this. If you see your friend suffering or in affliction, be kind to them. Show them kindness. So that's one of the things that helps when, when we go through something. But let's look back at this again. It says, is anyone among you suffering? Is anyone among you suffering? I want to bring it right down to here, 4741 Southwest 20th Street in Ocala, Florida. I want to bring it right here. Is any among you suffering? Follow me on this. Is anyone here suffering? Is anyone here going through pressure? You got some hardship. You got some question. You, you feel so, Is anyone here 
Is anyone here suffering? I, I need to make sure I'm at the right place. Can I go preach somewhere else this morning? But uh, is, is anyone here suffering? Well, what do we do? What, what, what do we do? Some would want you to think this, that if anyone here is suffering, then you're going to need to give a special offering in the next 30 minutes. No, that's not it. Or is anyone suffering, then you're going to need to get in our special sufferers prayer line. But what did the Bible say? The Bible said, is anyone among you suffering? It said this, let him pray. Say it. Let him pray. All right. Now look at me for this. This is what we're going to learn today. You pray for you. Now we'll look at it and we have looked at it that, hey, you pray for others, pray for one another. It's okay to say, hey, would you pray for me? That's good. It's proper. The apostle Paul, numerous times in his, in his writings, he said, pray for me as I pray for me because this and, and so it's okay to request prayer. But listen, if you're really going to be able to pray for other people, if you're really going to be able to, to, to make progress in life, you've got to be able to get yourself out of the mud. You've got to know how to pray for you. This is absolutely vital because you're not going to be that strong helping anybody else. Listen, a lifeguard has to know how to swim. Okay? And so we've got to get some things together in ourselves. And the Bible says, is anyone among you suffering? Let them throw a real pity party, draw a lot of attention to themselves, and somebody come pat them a little bit. No, no, we're not called to pity. We're called to power. I love what Joyce Myers said. How many, how many of you know Joyce Myers? It's like, it's like, it's like I always tell you, I, I love her, but I'm afraid <laughs> of her. But she said, you can either be pitiful or you can be powerful. You know, and and what did the Bible say? Is anyone among you suffering? Do what? Let him pray. You pray for you. Why don't you tell your neighbor real quick? You pray for you. Now, this word pray in James uh, 5.13 means to pray earnestly. Remember, we've talked about that. Do not pray weak prayers. Pray earnestly. And it means this. You pray earnestly to obtain good and to avert evil. To obtain good and to avert evil. And you know what that does? That takes care of what you're suffering about. Now, how many of you know that sometimes you can pray for things and not everything changes right away? How many of you know sometimes things don't seem to change for a long, 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 long? Anybody with me? A long time. But you know what God will do? God will change you. God will grace you. God will give you the gear that you need to get through and to hang on whatever would be going on. So don't you ever, ever accuse God of not answering your prayer. Okay, because you don't you don't know how all that whole thing's working there. Now, you pray for you. But remember this, and I'm telling you, you pray for you. But remember this, it's not prayer that you need. We talked about this last week. It's not prayer that you need. It's God that you need. And prayer connects you with God. Did you hear that? It's not prayer that you need. It's God that you need. And prayer connects you with God. I posted it this, this last week. Let, let, let me back up on something. If you're just praying because we're supposed to pray, pastor said we're supposed to pray. God, pray for myself. God, pray for you. God, pray for everything. God, God, pray. You know, if you pray because some kind of religious obligation, you take the joy out of it, you take the power out of it, you make it ineffective. But if you understand prayer is what connects you with God and God is what you need. I posted this last week on, on social media. I put that... Um, uh, I know. I, I, I posted, don't cry, little one. Here it is. Here it is back here. 
Uh, being tired, anybody ever been tired? It says being tired requires rest, but weariness needs prayer. And sometimes we have weariness in our soul. We have weariness in our soul and we're trying to sleep it off. We're trying to self-medicate in some way. And, and the answer for it is God. And what prayer does, it connects us with God and takes care of that weariness within us. And you say, well, I've got to find God. Where is God? Solitude is full of God. You get alone, you seek God, you'll find God. Solitude is full of God. Well, what I want to share with you this morning, who are we praying for today? You. You pray for you. I want to share with you seven elements or aspects. There's, there's a, a whole bunch of them. Um, but I'm just going to share seven with you this morning. And uh, I didn't tell the earlier services how many I was going to do because I didn't know if I would finish. Uh, but I got them all done. And so we're, we're going to hit these seven this morning. These are aspects, elements that are going to help us in prayer. The first one, and some of these will just clip right on by. The first one, I'm going to call it focus. You pray for who? Come on, I need you all with me. You pray for who? For you. So you pray for you. And when you pray... At any time, but specifically, you're praying for you. I think you need to pay attention to what you're doing. I think you need to focus on what you're doing. You know, this lady went into the doctor's office. She had two severe burns in both of her ears. And she walked in and the doctor looked and he said, oh, my goodness. And he said, you know, all my years of medical practice, I, I have not seen this. And he's looking at her. He said, how did this happen? She said, well, I was watching TV and I was ironing. And the phone rang and I answered the iron. He goes, oh, oh my goodness. Well, what happened with your other ear? And she goes, can you believe the idiot called me back? So here's the problem. Here's the problem. You do it. You drive doing it sometimes. Just autopilot. We have these pat phrases, empty words, mindless sayings, autopilot. Just going through the motions. How dare any of us? We're connecting with the almighty, everlasting, creator, redeemer. We have the privilege to pray. We did not earn this privilege. Our behavior canceled that. But Jesus came and made a new and living way. Gave us passage, a new and living way. He was the bridge so that you and I could not only come freely, but scripture invites us to come boldly to pray. And this is relational. This is not religious. This is relational. This is communication with God. And I think it deserves full attention that we're aware who we're talking to and this powerful privilege that we do have. So first of all, pay attention. Everybody say, pay attention. The second one is this. Give thanks. And I want to do it this way. A lot. Everybody say thanks a lot. I think you need to start prayer with thank you. I think you need to end prayer with thank you. I think several times in the middle you need to thank him. You need to thank him for what he's done, for who he is, the privilege, opportunity. I even have to talk to him. Thank him for what he's doing. Thank him for what he promised he would do. Thank you. Thank him for what you've seen him do in other people's lives. You've heard in the word uh, things you're expecting him to do. Things that you know that he will do. You need to thank him. Thank him. I sound like Gomer Powell. Thank you. Thank you. You need, you need to thank him and thank him and thank him and thank him a lot. In Psalm 100 verse 4 it says, 
and y'all help me with this. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. Listen to it in the message paraphrase. Enter with the password, thank you. That's how you get in. Enter with the password, thank you. Make yourselves at home, talking praise, thank him, worship him. We need to give thanks a lot. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer, help me, and supplication with what? With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. It seems to be a vital element in even delivering prayer, supplication, petitions to God, that there has to be some thanksgiving. Everybody thank him a lot. That word in Philippians there for thanksgiving actually means grateful language, grateful language. So it's not just thank you, thank you, thank you. I I honestly think maybe about 85% of your prayer life should be thank you. You say, oh, pastor, I'm praying about something really rough. Yeah, but you're alive. You're breathing to talk about it. God never leaves you, never forsakes you. You're you're never alone. You're never without help. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thank thank you that it wasn't this. Thank you that you're with me. Thank you I don't have to panic. Thank you that you'll walk me out of this. You'll you'll, You'll be with me all the way through this. Thank you. Thank you. And I think thanks should be all over the place. Amen. All right, third one. This is a brave one right here. I'm going to call it conviction. Conviction. You need to, who are we praying for? You. You pray for you. I think you need to say, Lord, check me. Ask God to convict you. I'll explain conviction a little bit more. And this is a brave prayer. Scripture says that he does convict us in a number of ways. He convicts us by Scripture. He convicts us by our conscience, either accusing or excusing. He can convict us through the preaching of God's word. Conviction can fall on people. And he convicts us by the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will convict you of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And so he convicts us in that way. But guess what we've gotten really good at? Ignoring all of those. We ignore all of those. We can ignore scripture and say, I I know it says that, but here's my story. You know, and we kind of exempt ourselves. We can ignore our conscience and try to uh, justify, rationalize some things. We can uh, sleep while the preacher's preaching. Or or we can slide down in our seats so the people behind us get this message. Because they probably really need it today. And then the Holy Spirit, the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. Here's what happens, though, when you ignore the conviction of God. And please hear this. When you do this, you harden your heart. You harden your heart. You sear your conscience. And 1 Timothy says this, you're in danger of shipwrecking your faith. And here's here's the dangerous part. And you lose the fear of God. See, if God is trying to point something out to you, stay with me on this. God's trying to show you something. He's trying to point out error in your life, not, not to get you in trouble, not to mess you up, it's to set you free. And when he's doing that, if you're ignoring God's word, your conscience, the preaching of God's word, uh, the Holy Spirit, you harden your heart, you sear your conscience, you shipwreck your faith, and here, get this again, and you lose the fear of God. What does that mean? And what's to happen? And that is that you no longer are paying attention. The Bible says you need to know the goodness and the severity of God. 
And the severity is to move you out of the bad into what he plans for you. And what happens if you lose the fear of God? Here's what happened. You're going to have a great measure of fear of man. And there will be things that you would never do, say, think in front of other people. But now you're at a place where you'll do, think, and say it right in front of God. That's a dangerous spot to be. Because you know what? That's how a deep, dark spot ends up in a person's life. And it won't stay deep and dark. It'll come out. Never lose the fear of God. Never ignore the conviction of the Holy Spirit of Scripture, of the sincere preaching of God's Word. Never, never ignore that because it's a dangerous thing for you. Let me, let me say this to you. Stop, and I know the day we're in. Everything, everybody's wanting to redefine everything, reshuffle the deck, do everything on every issue. Not just one issue, but a lot of issues. We want to rationalize why we don't have to do what God said. And this is what I want to say to you believers today. Zero in with me on this. Stop giving yourself permission to act and think in ways contrary to God's ways. You got to stop giving yourself. Well, you know, I know the Bible. I know we should. And I expect that other people. But you've got to know where I where I come from in my situation. You better cut it out. Stop giving yourself permission to think and act in ways that are contrary to God's ways. On occasion, I have people come up to me and say, Pastor, can I talk to you a minute? I go, sure. I need you to preach today at my husband. (laughs) Or next week, could you preach this and fix my girlfriend? Or, Pastor, I've got two friends coming. I've been praying for a long time for them to come to church. They're coming next week. Could you preach on this? Okay, and all due respect, hear me. I don't do requests. I earnestly seek the voice and the heart of God. I have to, otherwise then we're going to be reactionary all the time. And this happened in the world, and this political thing happened, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened. And then we cater all those things, and we're not going to hear the voice of God. We've got to hear. God knows. He's still in the middle of any storm. He's still. He's calm. He knows the way. He's our foundation. He's our rock. And I've got, I've got to get the message from him. So as much as I would like to help you out and fix your husband, fix your wife, fix your friends, I'd love to do that. That's not my job. My job is to deliver the word of God. But I I was thinking about this, praying about this. But what if though, what if there'd be about 4,000 people to go through Meadowbrook Church this morning? What if we could get about 4,000 people this morning to pray this kind of prayer and say, God, check me. Show me what I know. Because how many of you know you have some things in your life you pad, you hide, you make allowances for? Come on, come on. You have known things. Guess what else you have? You have blind spots. You have some other things in your life too. Wouldn't you want the Holy Spirit to kind of, kind of show you those things? Y'all still with me this morning? I know this is a blast a minute, but this is good stuff for us here this morning. Now listen. What if we invite the Holy Spirit to convict us? That word conviction means to tell a fault, to point out, to bring to light, to prove to be wrong. And it also includes this in the Greek definition of this, to demand an explanation. How about we, instead of petting and hiding and, and, and cushioning all the areas of our life, known and unknown, how about we lay ourselves bare before a God who loves us, who, who we can trust, who only has our good in mind and say, you know what, search me, check me. Check me on this. Convict me on some things. Demand an explanation of me. How is it that you think it's okay that you do that when I I know what's good for you? 
You know what the commandments of God do? They show us what gives us life and what takes life away. It's not a busy list. It's not a list of rules. If he tells you to do something, it's because it will give you life. If he tells you don't do something, it's because it would take life away. And I don't care what court, what person, what group, whatever decides whatever they want to do. You and I have to give an account to God and to nobody else. And he only wants good for you. And he wants you to live according to his word. And you come to know the truth instead of making your own truth. You come to know the truth. The truth will set you free. But as has been said before, sometimes before it sets you free to make you a little bit miserable. And sometimes there's a little bit of pain in this. But you know what? What if we actually prayed that? What if we said, God, check me. God, convict me. You know, maybe he'd show us some things. I got a little short list here for you. Pride. An attitude. Grudges. Unforgiveness. Lust. Impurity. Anger, sexual sin, greed, wrong intentions, gossip, selfishness. That's just a short list. Did I get you? What if we just said, God, check me on this. It's a brave prayer. Convict me. And you know what? It's better to judge yourself than to be judged. It's better to say, here I am. Do your work in me. The psalmist said in Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That'd be a good thing, huh? Number four, you still out there? I, I know that wasn't a thrill, but it's good for us. Amen. Number four, here's another brave one. The will of God. We need to ask God for his will. I have people come up to me. It's happened for years. It still happens all the time. Pastor, can you tell me God's will for this or this or this? And I go, hold up. Um, You're asking me God's will for you. There's somebody else you might should ask. You should ask God. Do you know what? God wants... To make his will known to you. And so we need to ask God's will. Now, and that should be all that you want is God's will. Now, some of my background, some of many of your backgrounds is, is, is a faith background. And there's some things that I've, I've learned and kind of scooched away from a little bit because it's, we've got to go with the word here on this. And one of the things we often would do is we wouldn't ask for what God's will was. We only wanted happy and blessed and prosperous and healthy. We, you know, God's, and, and God has revealed his will to us. But there's a lot of things we don't know God's will on. And we need to just say, God, what is your will on this? In James chapter 4, verse 15, it says, Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. We need to find God's will. Philip had a booming ministry in Samaria. And one afternoon, the Lord said, I need you in the desert. And you know what he did? He was so committed to the will of God, he went out into the desert. He caught up with the Ethiopian eunuch. He preached the gospel to him. He showed him Christ in scripture. He got saved, he got baptized, and he carried the gospel into Ethiopia. Um, Paul. 
Paul wrote many times. He, he said to the Ephesians, he said, I will come and visit you if the Lord wills. Um, he told the Corinthians, I will return to you if the Lord wills. My grandma used to say, Lord willing. And we need to get back to the root of that though. I want God's will. You and I would want God's will. And this is the thing. God is not going to show you the whole story. God is going to show you the next and then the next. And the only step you do not want to miss is the, the next one. And he will order your steps and he will light your path. And you've just got to find that. And listen to this. Every step is an arrival. Every step is, a, is an arrival. If God showed you the whole path, how many of you know? I, well, I know this. We'd skip some things. Well, that's dumb. That's taking too long. This isn't important. And we get it all messed up. How many of you know I, you would? I know I would. So what does God do? He's going to show us that next step and that next step. And this is why we got to pray. God, I need to know your will. Show me your will. Show me that next step. All that being said, some of you may have already read this or you, or you could read this or have heard this. My son Lee and Katie seeking the will of God. We've been talking for about two years on this. They believe it's the will of God for them to launch out. And they're going to be leaving us on Father's Day. Thank you, Lee. I'm Father, <laughs> Father's Day. Uh, they're going to be leaving and moving to the Dallas-Fort Worth area. He's going to be launching his own creative venture. He's... Um, Incredible, and I'll, I'll say this even if his last name wasn't Gilligan. He's just absolutely one of our top all-stars on the staff ever, seriously. And in every way in what he does. And then we've been talking about it, and they just felt like the time's, time was right. You can go to his Facebook. You can go to the church Facebook. And he's written a, a, a good little article there to kind of explain the, the steps of it all. And uh, there'll be a part of Gateway Church, not on staff there, but that'd be the church they've chosen to worship at. And we've got great relationships there and um, to serve at. And I, I, that blesses me to hear them say, yeah, we, that's where we'll be serving, not just attending. Wow. And, and then they'll be doing branding and graphic um, design. And they've already got clients and different things. He'll still be doing some of that for us. Um, cause with technology, we can do a lot of that remotely and they've just had favor in what they were doing. And I've watched them carefully. They've just, we've got to get the next step. Got to get the, dad, we got to talk to you. And then we'll, then we take this next step and then take this next step. And they sold their house in like two days. And I mean, it's just, they just watched favor, 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 and just doors opening and so forth and, and favor. And, and, and you know what? This is what they've been after is the will of God. They just want to know the will of God. I've talked him out of it a couple of times and, but but the bottom line is, I just want the will of God. When Lee was a baby and Alicia and I were serving at a church up in, in Gastonia, North Carolina at the time. We had a visiting missionary. And um, it's 28 years ago, but I can still remember this. He said, I want to challenge you parents, give your children to God. Give, give your children to God. He's just a baby. And he says, and, and maybe even pray about giving them for missions. And, uh, and Alicia went in the nursery and went and got him. And he asked everybody to come forward that was willing to pray that prayer. And we actually put him up on, on the platform there. And then I got this big knife in it. You know. No, wait a minute. That's another story. That's, that's in the Bible. Okay, that's a different story. Um, and through tears, but with great sincerity, we said, God, he's, he's yours. We'll raise him. We'll raise him for you. So all we've ever wanted is the will of God. And so nothing less, nothing else. So I want the will of God for Lee and Katie. 
And nothing less and nothing else for Gavin and Cora, our grandchildren. I want nothing less and nothing else than for them to stay in Florida near Peepaw and Mimi. <laughs> Can I get an amen this morning on that? So, so I jest. Paul said in Colossians 1.9, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled, what's this, with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. It's a brave prayer, but ask God. Ask God for his will. He won't make you move all the time, okay? But just ask God for his will. And I just feel prompted of the Spirit to say this. Some of you, oh, I'm out here. There's at least one or two of you here this morning. You're in a relationship and you're refusing to ask God if this is your will or, or not. And, you, and you, need to, you need to say, God, I only want your will. Because otherwise it's going to be far less and far worse than, than what God has for you. I feel prompted of the Holy Spirit in this moment to say that. So if that's you, you better look at that. And if you're here with your boyfriend or girlfriend, don't get nervous right now, okay? Don't get nervous in the service. Y'all deal with that later, okay? All right. I got a couple more real quick. Number five, spirit. If you're going to be praying, you need the Holy Spirit to help you in prayer. Do you uh, ever run across these, these times and things where you, I don't know how to pray about this really? I've got a short list of some things, some people, a part of our church family going through some tough stuff. And, and I'm praying for them, but I don't know entirely what all to pray. You know what Romans says? That when we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit will help us in prayer. Did you know the Holy Spirit knows the will of God? And did you know the Holy Spirit, if you ask him to help, he's going to come in and do what the Holy Spirit does. He's the helper. He will come in and help you. And so he'll come in and he'll prompt things in prayer. He'll inspire things in prayer. He'll remind you in prayer. He'll guide you in prayer. And again, he knows the will of God. Now, this is where this gets really brave. Are you all with me for this? I want to challenge every one of you to get alone with God and with the Holy Spirit and to say this. Holy Spirit, I want everything you've got for me. Hear me on this. I want everything you've got for me. Even if that runs contrary to maybe a tradition I was raised in, a denomination I grew up in, some book that I read or what grandma always said, I, I want to go to you, the source. I want everything that you've got for me. Why are we going to let people or tradition hold us back? Go to the pure source and say, I want everything you've got for me. And then don't be afraid. Don't be afraid because we're talking about gifts now. And you know, at Christmas or my birthday, I'm not afraid. I'm not sitting in there and go, here, this is for you. I'm not like, oh, I hope this is not a snake or rotten egg or a demon. No, the Bible says that if we know how to give good gifts, how much more your heavenly father knows how to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. And in particular this morning, zero in on this. And again, it's a brave prayer. Holy Spirit, I want all that you've got for me. And in particular, I'm talking about a prayer language. Not to be confused with public manifestation of of tongues. That's a whole separate issue. I'm talking about a private, personal, powerful, beautiful, devotional prayer language that God will give you. Every day of my life, every shower I ever take, every morning when I'm doing devotions, When I'm driving by myself and you're able to pray out mysteries, to give thanks well, 
to pray out the will of God that you don't even know how to pray out and God will help you. It's a gift. And no matter what you may have read or grandma told you or another church or whatever, I'm just saying forget all of that and all due respect and just get before the Holy One himself and just say, I want, I want all that you've got for me. Holy Spirit. Amen? All right. I got a couple more quick things and then we're out of here this morning. Number six, y'all are so quiet. Declare your trust. I think you should early and often, like voting in Chicago, you should, <laughs> you should declare. I heard that somewhere. I thought it was funny. Um, you should declare your trust in God. You should, you should just say, God, I trust you. Because guess what? Every time you pray, you're going you're gonna to have things like, I, I don't know what to do with this. I don't understand what all's happening here. But God, I trust you. Can I tell you what I honestly believe God loves to hear from us more than anything else? Is those words, God, I trust you. God, I trust you. Would you practice it one time? God, I trust you. He loves that so much. And then one last one this morning. And this is a biggie. You need to pray, use me. Use me. Well, he can't use me, Pastor. I've made a lot of mistakes. I've got dents and scars. I'm not all I need to be yet. Look at me. Listen to me. The old model was you just, everything's right. You're born in Sunday school. You've never missed a step. Not a hair out of place. Yankee doodle. I've got it all together. Let me tell you something. Nobody believes you either. Nobody believes. Oh, my husband, my wife, uh, we've never argued. Yeah, right. Where do you live? Can I tell you who God uses? People who say, God, use me. And that means with all your dents and scars and your mistakes and your repeated mistakes. And all the things you're still working through. If you've got a heart after God and God's present in your life, he will use you right where you're at. If we're waiting until everybody graduates and gets, you know, all good on all areas of our life. We're never going to get used. God wants to use you right where you're at because you know what? There's somebody within reach of you that needs to hear what God's doing in your life right now where you're at. And God, and there are people that need to know what you've been through. We don't have to project anymore. I've never sinned. Well, one time I did sin. I exaggerated a little bit. And it's like, this, this is gross. We've got to be real before God, continue to grow in God and say to God, God, use me. And it'd be a daily prayer. God, use me somehow today. And God will set up amazing things. We all want answers to prayer. How about let's be an answer to prayer. Isaiah said this, here am I, Lord, send me. You know what uh, language today would be this? Coach, put me in. Use me today. And I'm telling you what, you're going to enter into a new level of excitement in your life that when God starts to use you, and, and sometimes it'd be later that night and you'll realize, wow, he used me today. And it'd just, just be little things, sometimes big things. But you know what? Who are we praying for? Praying for? You're praying for yourself. You pray for you. These are some brave things to do in prayer, but I'm telling you what, they're game changers. This will change your life. But I want to tell you today, no matter what's going on in your life, you pray for you. Did y'all get anything at all out of this this morning?